Paul, in writing to Timothy, as you have read with our scripture, admonished Timothy that he would be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a difference in being a soldier and being a good soldier. There's a difference in being a Christian and being a good Christian. There's a difference in being a a church member and being a good church member. So Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I want you to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Back in the book of Numbers, the first chapter of the book of Numbers, I preached to you the other Sunday from this passage of the scripture. And I would remind you that some 13 times in Numbers chapter 1, 13 times, mind you, you will find the phrase, uh, 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 you'll find the phrase, and all that be able to go forth to war. 13 times. In Numbers chapter 1, there was a mustering of those men, 20 years of age and under, who would make up the military force of Israel. And they numbered them, and there was about 603,000 of those who made up the body of the military might of Israel. Now, I want to call your attention to, uh, again, the statement that is made some 13 times. All that were able to go forth to war in Israel. I want to ask you this. Are you able to go forth to war? Are you uh, prepared for the battle that is indeed ahead as a child of God? Need I remind you, my friend, that the Christian life is no picnic. It is not a party. It is indeed a warfare. And sometimes we forget that. We sometimes forget that we are in a struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so then we need indeed to determine in our own hearts that we're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you men or women have been in the military? Raise your hand, will you? Let me see. Well, we have several around here who've been in the military. One of the things that is absolutely necessary if you are able to, to go forth to war as Numbers chapter 21 reveals. You have to go to boot camp. Don't you wish you could just really ignore that and skip over that and you didn't have to go to boot camp. But many a child of God facing the foe that we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil, has failed to realize that he has to go to boot camp in order that he be prepared and ready for the service that is before him. 
Now, boot camp is an unusual experience for any man or woman. Let me say in the first place that in the boot camp, you learn to listen. Now, many of us have never learned that lesson. We haven't learned to listen. To listen to the Lord our God. In Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. God spoke, but there was someone to listen. Now, God often speaks through his word, but oh, how few there are who really hear and listen to what God says. They have their own idea. They have their own opinion, but they have not heard what God would say to them. Ladies and gentlemen, we need in this day a group of people who are willing to hear the word of the Lord. One of the first things then, if you have ever been in the military, is that you learn to listen. Now if you don't listen, you're going to be in trouble. And a lot of Christians are in trouble today because they have never learned to listen. To listen to what thus saith the Lord. The Shema, which is called the Shema of the Jewish people in the book of Deuteronomy, they are often heard to say, The Lord our God is one Lord. But they preface that by saying, Hear, O Israel. You know, sometimes it's just hard for us to hear, isn't it? Uh, we are, we are uh, I mean, out there in the world, uh, and there's so many voices, so much noise, that we don't really hear what the Lord has to say. We hear what TV has to say. We hear what Hollywood has to say. But are we listening to what God has to say. Hey, have you ever noticed in the scripture how many times the Lord calls a person's name twice? Samuel, Samuel. Saul, Saul. Martha, Martha. Twice does he call those names. And I think that there is a real reason. And that is because we do not hear the first time the Lord calls to us. We are hearing so much of the noise of the world and so much of the noise of self that we do not hear what God has to say. So when you go to boot camp, if you're able to go forth to war, you have to learn to listen. Are you with me? The second thing I think we you learn in beat uh, in beat camp boot camp. The second thing you learn is the manual. How many of you fellows remember being in the in boot camp? And I mean, you had to memorize the manual when that old soft-spoken, sweet-talking sergeant came and ask you a question uh, that related to that manual. He expected you uh, to recite 
what was stated in that manual verbatim. Now, one of the things, if we're able to go forth to war in this day and age, we're going to have to learn the manual. We say, Pastor, what is the manual? I think you know already. Here it is, the manual. But yet how few of us have ever even read through the manual, much less memorized what God has said to us in the manual. Now, one thing is knowing it. Another thing is memorizing it. Let me appeal to you who are young people today. Oh, that I could get this across to you. Memorize the Word of God now. When you get older, you're going to find that it's more difficult to memorize and to commit to memory the things of the Word of God. I, think, I, I know even in this day, in my, at my age, the verses of the Scripture that I memorized way back there as a youth, they come back to me. The things I heard yesterday, <laughs> I don't remember. You know what I mean? And so then, uh, we need to memorize the manual. Get in the Word of God, folks. If you can't memorize it, verse by verse, at least know what it says. So in boot camp, in order to, for us to be able to be able to go forth to war, we need to learn to listen. We need to know the manual. Now let me give you something else. When you fellows were in, in boot camp, you remember one thing that was above all else. They taught you to march. You remember that? I mean march. You marched to the mess hall. You marched to the, you marched to whatever you went. I mean, you had to march. And yet again, in the camp of the Lord, God wants us to learn how to march. Now, one thing in marching is this. You stay in step. <laughs> I heard about a dear woman up in the mountains that came down to Fort Benning. And uh, they were watching all the troops marching by. And she noticed her son. He was the only one out of step in the whole outfit. <laughs> but she said to the colonel next door, You know, colonel, my son is the only one in step and in the whole army. Isn't that the way we are? But oh, the Lord wants us to stay in step. Not only that, in marching, and sometimes in marching, those were long marches, weren't they, fellas? I mean, you didn't just take a little 25-yard march. It was a long march. Over here in uh, Tekoa at uh, Currahee Mountain, where a group of paratroopers during World War II were being trained. They had to march. I mean, they had to march up that mountain with full pack all the way up to Currahee Mountain. And that was a part of their, of their training. 
Now watch this. God teaches us to march, number one, that we're to stay in step. Now, who do you stay in step with? You stay in step with a cadence that that uh, uh, drill instructor is barking out. You don't go by the, you don't go by the, uh, opinion or what is given out by somebody over here but you listen to the drill instructor and so in our life as a Christian we need to listen to the voice of the one who is moving us ahead now I like this fact of March in that March has the idea of going forward doesn't it I mean, we march ahead. Remember when Israel came out of Egypt and they came up to the Red Sea and the Lord said to Moses, say to the people, go forward. No, he didn't say turn around and go back. Go forward. Why, Moses must have said, Lord, there's a sea out here. There are mountains on either side. And yet you're saying to us, go forward? That's exactly the order that God gives to the child of God. Don't go back. Go forward. March ahead. And if there's the need of God parting the water, then he will part the water. He will open the door. But God's saying to us, go forward. Some of you are living in the rear view mirror of your life. You're looking about what happened yesterday. You're looking back at what happened to, in, the, in the yesteryears of your life. What God wants you to do is go forward. And so then in boot camp, you learn not only to listen, and you learn the manual, but you learn to march, stay in step, and not only that, but stay in line. Let me ask you to turn with me over to the book of Second Chronicles, the twelfth chapter. Second Chronicles, the uh, the twelfth chapter. I want you to look at this. Second Chronicles, chapter twelve, and the verse reads like this at verse thirty-three, if I can find it. 12 and verse 30, uh, at 2 Chronicles 13, pardon me, and verse, and verse number uh, 17. And the Bible reads like this. I can find it myself. <laughs> you ever do this? All right, what I want you to see is this. If I can bring to memory uh, this very this very fact. First Chronicles. I'm looking in Second Chronicles. No wonder. All right, First Chronicles, chapter 13 and verse 17. All right. Now this chapter records the the, the fact of those of the different tribes of Israel who installed David as the king. 
Now, I want you to look at verse 33, and it speaks of the tribe of Zebulun and says this, Of Zebulun such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all the instruments of war, watch this, 50,000 who, which could keep rank, they were not of a doubled heart. Now what I want you to see is this, here is the tribe of Zebulun who could keep rank. Now if you were in the military, you remember this, that one of the things that is required was not only that you keep in step, but you keep in line. And a lot of folks undoubtedly have failed to realize the need of just simply staying in line. We get out of line. We listen to folks over here. We listen to the voice of the world, and we get out of line. I remember a fellow <laughs> that was our next-door neighbor when I grew up. He played one of these, uh, what do you call it, Robert, a tuba? One of those bass, uh, what was it, a tuba? He played a tuba in the Georgia Power Company's band. And so they went down to Atlanta on an occasion. And Mr. Frank got so involved in playing his tuba, instead of staying along with the, uh, with the, law, along with the band, he veered off to the right and went off down a, a side street. An officer caught him and he said, uh, say, what are you doing off down here? He said, well, he said, I'm just playing my horn. And the officer said, well, your band has gone that way. Now, this really happened. And the fellow said, the officer said, where do you live? Why well, he said, I live up there in Tallulah Falls, right behind Mr. Harvey's barn. Well, the fellow, the officer said, I'll tell you now, sir, he said, uh, you're on the wrong trail. Your band's up there, and you're going this way. There's a lot of folks who do that. They, they hear the call of the world, and they're not keeping rank. They're not staying in rank with the family and with the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Zebulun, the Bible said, that they, 50,000 of them knew how to keep rank. Let me ask you this. Do you know how to stay in line? Do you know how to stay in rank? As God reveals through his word. And then not only that, but in boot camp, you know what you learn? You learn to obey orders. You learn that when the commander-in-chief gives an order, it is to be obeyed. Now, the Lord chose Moses as his spokesman. We are well past the day of Moses. We're living in a New Testament era. Would you like to know personally? What the Lord says about obeying orders. Let me ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Reading at verse 7. Here's what the Bible says. 
Now hang on to your seat. Remember them which have the rule over you. Boy, I mean, people don't like that. We don't have anybody ruling over us. But wait a minute. Remember them which have the rule over you. Who are these? Who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. In other words, the man of God. I don't care what his name is. If the Lord has anointed him and placed him in that position, you're to remember him. Now, what does that mean? Remember them which have the rule over you. Does that mean you just say, well, happy birthday, happy Easter, uh, happy anniversary? Is that what it means? No. That's not the meaning of the word remember. It means to show reference, to show respect. And so the Lord says, remember them which have the rule over you. Who are these? Those who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now who in the world do you think that would be? I'm going to tell you flatly and frankly. That means the pastor. I don't care what his name is. I don't care where he came from. If he is the man of God, then the Lord says that we remember him and not only that, whose faith follow. That is his commitment to God. He is to be an example before you. Whose faith follow considering, look at the last part, considering the end of their conversation. Now that doesn't mean you sit out there and wonder when the preacher's going going to quit talking. That's not what it means at all. Now you may do that. The word conversation means manner of life. You consider The end of their manner of life. Now, if you think that's tough apples, let me ask you to look down to verse 17. It gets even tougher. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves unto them. Now, the reason many a church has trouble is the fact that they have never recognized that the man of God, the pastor, that God has placed him there. He is to be an example. He is to be a pattern. He is likewise to be one in authority. Now, our deacons in this church are not in the position of authority. Our members are not. But God has called the pastor. I don't care what his name is. I don't care if it's Burrell or Smith or Jones or whoever. The reason many a church fails is because they have failed to recognize the appointment of God that he has given to that man who stands at the pulpit. Now, look at verse 17 again. 
Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So the man of God needs earnest prayer. He needs the support. They taught you to salute. You remember that, Brother Bell? I mean, they taught you. One fellow told me, he said, listen, I stood in front of a mirror for over an hour and practiced saluting. The sergeant told me I wasn't saluting properly. Now, what does that mean? It simply means a show of respect, a show of reverence. When an officer comes by, old corporal or buck private has to salute him. Now then, we fail to, we fail to realize that in the family of God. We fail to salute or at least honor those that have been given the position of rulership in our life. Now let me move on to something else. In boot camp, you know something else you learn? You learn your weapon. You men who are in the service and women, one thing that they taught you was this. You had to know every part of that rifle. I mean, you had to take it apart. You had to put it back together. Now what is our weapon, folks? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You ought to know this book to the point that you're able to take it apart and put it back together. But I'm talking to some in this audience this morning, and you haven't even picked up the Word of God in the last two or three days. You don't know what it says. No wonder there's so much shipwreck. No wonder there's so much uh, defeat in our lives. For simply, uh, we haven't opened the weapon, the Word of God. Be able to take it apart. Be able to put it back together. Not only that, but in boot camp, you know what you learn? You learn to know or identify your enemy. What good is a soldier if he doesn't know his enemy? Do you know what happens to it? We think brother so-and-so is our enemy. We think sister so-and-so is our enemy. We think the bartender is our enemy. We think the fellow who runs the Hollywood theater, he's the enemy. We think that the abortionist is the enemy, but wait. Our enemy is none other than the devil himself. And yet we fire at those who are around us thinking that they are our enemy. The enemy is Satan, the prince, and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Listen. Don't just because somebody disagrees with you, you consider that they're your enemy. The great enemy is the devil and his demon powers. Well, listen, we war not, we struggle not against, uh, against flesh 
but against principalities, against powers, against the dark rulers of the darkness of this world. That's what the Bible says. So when you look down there at the bartender, don't, don't think that he's your enemy. There's one behind him that uses him as an instrument. And that enemy is the devil. So we need to learn our weapon. We need to know our enemy. And then finally, let me close with this. We are taught in boot camp that we are not an army in ourselves, but we are part of a unit. We are to war as a unit. And yet many a child of God gets over here by himself and he tries to do the job that God has commanded him to do, but he fails to realize that the church, the body of Christ, is indeed a unit. And we are to go forth as a body, as a unit, to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let me ask you this. Have you been to boot camp? Have you learned the manual? Have you learned how to march and stay in line? Have you learned to obey orders? Have you learned the value of salute? Those who are above you, you salute them, you reverence them, you respect them. Have you considered your weapon? Do you know all about, do you know this weapon? Listen, I've been saved for 50 some odd years. But there's a lot about this weapon I do not know. And that means that I must get down day after day and consider what God has to say. Let me ask you another question. Do you know your enemy? Paul said to the Corinthians, we are not ignorant of his devices. But I fear that that's not, I mean, modern day Christians are not able to say that. For we are ignorant of the devices, the tactics, the strategies of the devil. Are we ignorant of that? You need to know your enemy. You need to know his strategies, how he works through envy, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust. He works through these areas. And yet we need to know those very things. If we are able to go forth to war. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that life is no picnic. It's no party. We realize, Lord, that we're in a warfare. We need to be good soldiers. It's not enough to just be a soldier. We want to be a good soldier. It's not enough to be a church member. But, Lord, to be a good church member. It's not enough to be a husband. But, Lord, that we would be a good husband. It's not enough to be a wife, but to be a good wife. 
Not enough to be a child, but to be a good child. That's what we believe you have requested and ordered. I pray, dear Father, that if there are those here today who need to just really step out of the rank as a soldier and be a good soldier, Lord, that they would do that today. There are some who need to come into the fellowship of our church saved, born again, having been baptized. But Lord, they need to be a part of a Bible-believing fellowship. I pray that you would move in their hearts to do so today. And then, dear Lord, there are those who have never been saved. I pray that you'll deal with their hearts and bring them to Christ. And Lord, those who are saved that have drifted away from you, May they come home to you today, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.